You're listening to Black Humboldt's new podcast, Black Aesthetic. And we're celebrating our love for Black arts and culture within Humboldt County. What up? This Queen D rocking this body from East Coast to Humboldt. Woo! Hey, this is Dwar, healing souls on the streets. K.M. Ross, popping shots, killing things, and making stuff. Hey, hey, it's your girl, Mo. Mom artist extraordinaire. Baby, baby. If you look at all Black art, even in hip-hop, it's all about that. I exist, and these are my feelings, and this is what I feel about the world. It's always been an undercurrent. Cheo Hadari Coker. This week, we're featuring Droop and how he exists in Humble County. What's up, Black Humble? We have Droop Capone, a.k.a. Dr. Oop, with us today on the podcast. What's up, Dr. Oop? Droop, there he is. Drew, there he is. What up, man? Welcome, welcome. What's up, Black Humboldt? It's good to good to hear y'all's black voices and seeing y'all doing black things. And thanks for having me up, Doctor Oop. Let me give you a little introduction to our listeners. So, Doctor Oop, aka Drew Capone, is an artist extraordinaire in the area. He is a black artist, rapper, musician theater and performance, arts educator. I've also worked with him on some arts education projects. He's also a director and a visionary and visual artist for all of the work that he does. And we're going to hear a little bit more about that. So Dr. Oop, can you tell us about your artistry and a little history of how that came about in your life? Uh, Yeah. My main thing is just, you know, being an MC. And that started when I was uh, very young. I fell in hip hop at a very fell in love with hip hop at a very young age, and uh, it just you know I grew up in L.A., so I was privy to a lot of music and culture that you know a, a lot of people didn't get, and we got a lot of hip hop out there, and, and I just fell in love with it, and just slowly eased my way into the studio, freestyled a little bit here and there, but then slowly get in the studio, start getting more serious with it, and then just put the pedal to the metal. And, uh, yeah, and that, that, that kind of became my thing. And uh, a lot of other stuff sp- spawned from it, like the other art stuff, like the, you know, video making and, and album cover designs and all that stuff spawned just out of necessity as being an independent artist, you know what I mean? So... Um, but mainly what I do is just, you know, traditional hip-hop, roots and culture kind of hip-hop. And uh, that's kind of how I fell in love with it. So that's kind of how I present it to everybody else so they can fall in love with it the same way. And, uh, yeah, just moved up to Humboldt now. So I've just been getting in touch with some folks up here and connecting. Uh, little, having a little culture shock up here, but it's all right, you know. The art, this art still goes on. It's art everywhere, and it's artists everywhere. You know, right? Like, does this culture shock inform or hinder your music, or your, or any area of your, any art medium that you practice? Um, I guess it hinders in the sense that it's not a big city, and it's not a lot of like musical opportunities here. Like if if I'm in LA, I might get a call from somebody I went to school with saying, "Hey, we need you still doing music? I need we need a song on this commercial." And I might can go up to Hollywood and, and 
make me a quick three hundred dollars. You feel me? Or you can network and get chances for your your career to uh, get elevated. And uh, <clears throat> so, in that sense, it is a little bit of a hindrance, you know. But uh, this is a community that loves music up here, and they love art, and they love uh, entertainment. So, um, in that sense, uh, I haven't really missed too much of a beat, even though it's a different kind of thing I do. Hip hop is very specific. You know, so, you know, people just like art, they appreciate hip hop, but they necessarily like hip hop heads. You feel me? Okay. uh, Okay. I hear you talking about being in the city. You talking to some city heads too. We understand that. We feel that. Um, tell us, tell us a little bit about, you know, where you're from, how, how growing up where you're from influenced you, you know, give them a little bit of baby droop. Uh, okay. Well, I was born in Indiana, in Indianapolis, and uh, I moved to L.A. after uh, elementary school. Indiana was pretty much, it's kind of like Humboldt without the art and without the hippies, you know. And uh, it's just really black and white, literally and figuratively. And we grew up in the middle of the hood. It was My neighborhood was 110% black growing up. And um, when I moved out here, we moved to L.A. It's like, you know, it's blacks, Mexicans, Koreans. Then it's all this other culture. Like I said, we get, you know, all this different music, different food, you know. So I kind of, kind of, uh, you know, had a, had a little culture shock when I came out. But, but L.A. raised me. That's my home now. And uh, living in the, where we lived and hearing hip hop as a kid, it was it was just, it touched me because it was like the people that I see every day, like my my big cousins and them people that age rapping. So I was really connected to hear other teenagers, other black teenagers from the hood trying to rap, trying to, you know, write raps and rapping. And uh, that's, that's kind of like my whole thing with it is like the, the ethnicity of the rapper and the rapper story is, is important just because that's how I was raised on it. And that's how I always, interpreted it you know what i mean like it's what's going on it's looks it's made by people that look like who's who's uh lives around me you know who i see every day and uh like i said la we have much more uh diverse music and culture so we you know some people would say indiana's slow or the midwest is slow you know how it go and then you get out to the big cities so just getting more hip-hop and just I really when hip-hop was really starting to expand is when I moved out here so it was good timing with the whole with the graffiti scene also it wasn't no graffiti in Indiana I came out to LA and I met all these graffiti artists and saw all this graffiti going on in my neighborhood and I was always an artist so all of this stuff really just you know put me in a position of uh, you know like I fell in love with the culture at that age and uh you know like i said having a growing up you know piss poor and and having people that you know like me that look like me doing like art and doing great art for us and by us was was it was life-changing you know what i mean and um yeah, i'm a little older than y'all so y'all like when i was born there wasn't no hip-hop you feel me? so i seen it all start from nothing and then it hit that golden era. All right, all right. You hear you come with the ages comments. 
I'm about hey. to because it ain't about age. It's, it's where you at. Hip hop started on the heart. Come on, Lauren Hill. Definitely. Yeah. What's the five pillars of hip hop, Mr. Hip Hop Guru? Uh oh, uh oh. I'm getting quizzed on hip hop. Uh oh. Uh, the five elements, you mean? Well, you mean. Let's it get it. You ask, let's get it. Let's go. Let's go. It might be a few more, too, if you have certain people. But uh, DJ and MC. Yeah, I was like, my repertoire got more elements <laughs> than five. Hold on, let him go. Yeah. Uh, MC and DJ and breakdance and graffiti. But here's where it gets great. KRS once said street entrepreneurialism. And then some people say fashion. And then my beatbox from my crew, he usually say, no, nah, yeah. beatboxing is the... KRS also it, says something else very important. What's the other one thing that's closer to the the first thing you said? Um, oh, did I miss one? Oh, that's embarrassing. What? Let me see. DJing, MCing. What you trying to teach the kiddos when we down there in Klamath Trinity? Some knowledge. Drop some knowledge on No. Nah. See, knowledge, that's enough. See, that's what I'm saying. When you get beyond the four, it gets, it gets, it gets, it depends on who you ask. You feel me? But that's definitely. Uh, yeah, I was like, uh, KRS, knowledge reigns supreme. Yep, street knowledge. Um, Yeah, like, I was raised, I pretty much, like, was raised by hip hop. You know what I mean? Like, I had a, had a stepfather and uh, at a certain point in my youth, but, like, I learned everything I learned from. I got some shit out the classroom, but when like Public Enemy KRS came out, that's when I was like, "Oh my god, I had to go. I got to go look this person up. Who is Malcolm X? Let me go look in the library. You know, uh, who is Joanne Chestermore? Who is all these people they talking about? And what's these situations that I never heard of and I didn't hear in school? It just like <clears throat> it changed my life and it made me want to do music with that kind of influence and impact uh, on people. You know." Yeah, so I also feel like I grew up in hip-hop, a hip-hop community, a community of people that were always creating. Like, just like you said, homies be hitting you up when you're back in town for shows. What was it like coming to Humble for you? Like, coming from that environment and being used to people looking like you and sounding like you and creating art, like, alongside you? Um, well, I ain't gonna sugarcoat it. It was, it, it was a rough transition because... You know, I, my my whole thing in life is like I've been to all kind of places, but I want my base is the place I want that I really want to be at in case I can't go nowhere, which is LA. It's got the weather, it's got the culture, and then you know it's my city. So moving here was not a thing I did on purpose or intentionally. Just a series of circumstances came about. But I used to come up here like at least a month out the year for the last three or four years before I moved up here, so I was familiar with it. But uh, just being here, uh, you know, like, yeah, it's been rough. Like, I, my house right now where I live, it's a, it's a motherfucking next door. Okay, it's a, my next door neighbor got a Trump 2020 flag. Then next to that flag, he got the Blue Lives Matter. And next to that, he got Don't Tread on Me. And the, 20, the Trump 2020 say, Trump 2020, fuck your feelings. Now, shit like this don't go down in L.A. It, first of all, there really ain't no white people in L.A., like in L.A. proper, you know what I mean? Second of all, if they are, they already acclimated and indoctrinated to what it is to live in L.A., you feel me? So 
this whole shit is new to me. Trump rallies and all this whole bullshit. Like, I really, I really ain't, you know, I never had to deal with that. When I left Indiana, I forgot how white people is outside of, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> L.A. Because I haven't really been around non-L.A. white people <laughs> in a long time. So when I came up here, I'm like, damn, I just moved back to the Midwest. You know, and uh, but they have this migrant population is what's kind of saving it up here because it's got the college and all the people that came up here for the weed game. And most of them is hippies and party people and, you know, Grateful Dead heads and all kind of people that are, you know, dang, dang with that bullshit, you know. But um, I just luckily I have a few people that I lean on that, you know, might even be, I got a few few homies from LA that moved up here before me and been up here like 15, 20 years. So, you know, it's just, I, I, I think it's just finding your, your circle and uh, like anywhere, you know, and taking advantage of the shit that you, that works for you and avoiding the shit that don't work for you, you know? So, you know, no matter where you go, there you are, to quote the, to quote the sure. main fresh. So... You know, working it out, I'm glad to be able to connect with people like y'all and, 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 and I can still keep a sense of purpose with uh what I'm doing. I can still continue to create because everybody got music and studios up here and 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 uh, love for music and, and, and things like that. But I do miss the diversity. I do miss the culture. I do miss being able to get good Mexican food. Uh, Thai Damn. food. True. You know, like uh, <laughs> Ethiopian you know, like little shit like that. Yeah, no. Oh yes, but, the Ethiopian food be hitting when you leave humble. <laughs> all the food hits when you leave humble. All the ethnic groups <laughs> hit when you leave. Humble. All Yo. types of food hits. Everything and it's cheaper. <laughs> the bodega <laughs> hits when you leave humble. The Let's bodega. be real. Yo. Mo and I. Mo and I's favorite thing to get from the bodega is an egg and cheese for two dollars. Exactly. Whoa. Egg and cheese don't exist here. Like egg and cheese to go like on a croissant or a bagel or a hard roll just like doesn't exist in Humboldt. I cry about it all the time. Wait, and where y'all used to get that at? The little like when when I grew up, yeah, East Coast, the bodega is every uh, five feet in the hood on the East Coast. So it's like oh, yeah. you could stop anywhere and get anything for breakfast until at least like 2 p.m. It, on the East Coast. Look, whether you with the act, if you, it don't matter what kind of bodega, the Aki, the Dominicans, the Muslims, like the black. Yeah, brother right. They the, all got the same stuff. <laughs> yeah, the black brother with the bean pies in his bodega, like it don't matter. They all got the two fifty egg and cheese. <laughs> all right, right. Facts with the griddle in the back. Cause they making yeah, the egg hot to, and fresh. I only been to. Uh, New York. I haven't really been to the rest of the East Coast, and I've been to a couple of bodegas over there. Yo, even the but, Asians in New York, they bodegas be hitting too, and you get the little seaweed joints for a dollar. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, pretty much any bodega outside of, like, Manhattan in New York, it, it hits on some level. Yeah, So, man. you were speaking about, you were speaking about politics a little bit, so, referring to your art, how... How does um, art inform your activism or does your activism inform your art? Do you put any of those feelings and thoughts you just shared into your work? How, how does it impact each other? Tell us about that. Um, 
Absolutely. They are kind of married together. Like, like I said, I was raised on, on, on the era of, you know, public enemy, BDP, poor rights teachers, ex-Klan. And that shit, that was the music that really moved me. You know, like I, the lyricism of, me, of the music and the soul and rhythm and all that. But if you can make it dope and educate, edu, education, edutainment, as KRS called it, um, then that's the maximum impact. So I've always, I've always made it a point to, uh, you know, if I have, if I if I'm feeling a certain kind of way about something, I can put it into a song, you know. And every every song every song had to be dope first before it's positive. Because if it's just positive, but it ain't dope, then ain't nobody going to listen to it. Or they just listen to it because it's positive, but they listen one time and say, oh, that was positive. That was great. But I always came from the avenue of like, you know, it's, 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 it's got to be both, you know? And, All right, so um, how, do you, how do you measure black excellence and black dopeness? What's your measurement tool for blackness here? Um... For me, it's my standard. You know, you know what you're capable of, and you know if you get a certain feeling after you finish it. You know, like if you, sometimes I'll, I'll make a song and I'll be like, it ain't enough meat in there, it ain't enough nutrients in there. So I need to go, I need to, I need to make those verses more deep or more complex, or I need to re-record that performance because I wasn't mad as the words are on there. The words is angry, but I ain't, you know what I mean. So it's just. You know, it comes with the craft of it. You know, your your level of craftsmanship and your standards of, I'm going to put my name on that and be proud of it, you know? So, um, yeah, and if, if, if like I said, it's, it's it, can, it, it can't be one and not the other. It got to be, it got to, if it's coming out with my name on it, there's a certain standard of quality that it, it got to be no matter what it's about, you know? Um, I want to kind of switch gears a little bit, uh, cause you, you know, I do witness you out here making some really dope stuff, but do you feel like you're commissioned enough out here? Like I heard you talk about going to the city. So without comparing to the city in the speed of humble, how, how do you, how do you feel you sit or, or not just yourself with any other black artist? Do you feel like we're being asked enough? Like, I feel like, you know, it's hard to get paid for doing hip-hop anywhere. Hip-hop is such a specific art form. It's like jazz. You can't go pop with jazz music unless you've been doing jazz 30 years. And you got an institution or a brand, you know what I mean? So I didn't come here expecting to be be any different in L.A. because in L.A., I'll do a show if it's big enough or if they pay enough, right? So I kept that same aesthetic up here. Like I, um, and with that being said, um, a lot of opportunities, you know, I've got in with a lot of musicians since I've been up here and, um, I've gotten opportunities and I've done well as far as getting booked and, and, and being able to, uh, get some quality shows and, um, but I think that, that, I don't know if that has to do, I think it has to do with my history, you know, because I've I kind of been doing it for a long time. So, I, you know, I kind of had a name for myself. So my, my story might be different than 
than a lot of folks. But like, if my homies come from out of town, that's you know, up here to do a show, uh, I'll have an inlet to get on the stage with them or to open up for them or et cetera, et cetera. And um, so in that sense, like, um, I'm me personally, you know, I've been able to get get compensated on par with what I feel like people are getting compensated up here. And I've been able to get on some, you know, some big shows and, and uh, stuff. But I know other people that rap up here and, and, and I see them get discouraged because they're expecting too much out of it. they like, oh, I've been rapping and there's people around here looking at me or they only want to pay me a hundred dollars, you know, but like we was talking about that craftsmanship. If you you feel like you're doing your thing and you keep on doing your thing, you keep on doing your thing some more, then everything else is going to fall into place. If you walk away saying, my name is on it, then you can complain. But otherwise, like, um, yeah, I feel like regardless of color, like just the work I put into it and, and my, has helped me to, you know, maintain a, a presence in the music community. I hope that answered your question. It did. And now it, it makes me want to ask, how do you find space and opportunity here as a Black artist? Because how, if someone was to want to get into the, into the game up here, like what studios, what, what, what are things you've learned um, as a Black artist in Humboldt? Yeah, the the thing I what I apply is what I kind of already knew is just like you just got to stay active. Like I come up here, I work with all different kind of artists. Just because I'm, you know, some days I sit around and do absolutely nothing. So what? Why wouldn't I be over and go jam with a band? You feel me? Because whatever I'm getting out of that is going to help me do better what I want to do for myself. So just staying active, like meeting the people that, like I said, I came up here, you know, before I moved up here. So I knew some musicians and I just started working with them and then just do them, meeting more musicians, meeting more musicians, meeting the dude that threw the show, meeting the dude on the venue. And then I get on stage and then they, they see the proof is in the pudding. Then when I ask them to get down, you know, they'll, they'll have a reference. And when, you know, when I want to do something, I can, I got that relationship established, but just staying active. That's what it is. Like I met so many rappers that say they're a rapper. I'm like, when last time you been in the studio? Oh, last year. But then you ain't a rapper. Rappers rap. You gotta rap. That's part of being a rapper. Dang, if I find you to my record, you can't even give rap. them like a, a like a, a a writer's block, rapper's block, rapper's delight vacation. <laughs> no, it's okay to say. Look, this is a. I'm glad you said that because I just a quote. I was in a little bit of a funk myself making excuses, like I hadn't set my studio up here yet. I was kind of in denial that I had moved away from L.A., so I was just like, I ain't setting this shit up. I'm going to get back. I'm going to get my... And then I realized, like, it went up a couple of years when I didn't even make a song, and I was like, what the fuck am I doing? And then I seen the quote that said, it's okay to take a break, but it's not okay to quit. So that's kind of how... Yeah, I don't know, because I'll say I'm a rapper, but I don't be in the booth never, but I be in my car freestyling, and I be up in my journal go. writing... <laughs> There you go. So I didn't mean to say specifically the booth, but you rapping. Rappers rap, right? If I hire you to be an actress, you can't say, oh, I haven't acted in nothing in over a year because I'm hiring you to act. I want to hire somebody that any job, you know, like 
If you say you're a carpenter, well, I haven't carpented in two years. Like, well, I'm not hard. You don't want somebody to do it every day, so I know they're going to do the shit right and do it, and et cetera. But, um, Someone that at least practices yeah. their craft. There you go. Yeah, yeah. like you can't yeah. call yourself a practitioner if, you not, if you're not practicing. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and, um, just, and another quote my boy gave me was, if you want to get a song done, go to the studio. And it sounds simple, but it's like, what it, I think what it means is like we plan and plot so much in our head. I'm waiting on this. I'm going to do this. I'm getting this ready. I'm making all these lists and shit. Sometimes you just got to go to the fucking studio. You know, I go to the studio to sit and watch other people record. What? I feel that so hard. Yo, I'm you know what I, mean? I just booked some studio time because I was just like, I, I cannot go through this pandemic thinking that my home is a studio. Like, I just booked studio time. I'm like, I'm about to just start being in there yeah. practicing. Same thing with the dance yeah. studio. I'll dance in my garage all the time, but the minute I step into, like, the actual space, I'm actually creating. Like, things are, <laughs> things are actually clicking and going together. Yeah. Yeah, just, it's, it's just you... All of those experiences informs what you ultimately want to do your goal as an artist you know like like i said if i'm if i'm if i'm doing nothing and the homie say we are we go in the studio if i ain't even getting on a song or nothing i'll go just do what i'm doing right now get a i just sit there write or i just sit there and listen in the background or shit i might end up doing a, a hook on a song or something or i might end up doing an intro outro but whatever the case you know you you, you surrounding yourself with that that type of artistry and that creativity and and you know sometimes you just got to stop making lists and start doing shit that's that's kind of my my perspective on it and uh yeah, that's and facts. that's how it got me I, like go go to the studio you know just go go to the cypher over they having a cypher downtown just fucking go down there like yeah and just like being around people that create gets you creating so much more like, you yeah. think you don't have time to create, and then you start spending your, like, personal time with people that like to create, and you're over here, like, coming up with something new every other day. Yeah, yeah, and part of, I'll tell you this, this newest project I did, I knew this dude for three years, and we did two songs in three years. This, the quarantine started, and I was like, all right, let's do, a, let's do a song about this shit. I mean, let's do an album about this shit. And we start doing one song a day, every day. And so far this year, we've already done 20 songs in, in less than a year. But it just came to me saying, I'm coming over tomorrow and we're not leaving until this song is done. You know, this project is called um, Essential Business. And it's, I did it with my buddy, Not A Clue. And um, it's basically um, just like when the quarantine struck, like, People were scared, nervous, uh, fatalistic, pessimistic, all kind of emotions. So we just, it was kind of a coping mechanism for me personally just to go to the studio every day and not think about if the world is about to end or if COVID is about to come to me and I'm about to become a flesh-eating zombie and all that shit. Like, I didn't want to, it helped me not think about it, you know? So it, this album is it's my therapy and it's, it's, it's trying to touch into some feelings that everybody else might have had during this time as well. But it's called Essential Business. There's volume one and there's volume two. 
And uh, we just released a single from it, a video called Swallow the Leader. And it's about, uh, you know, all these people out here just, you know, listening to the old orange face in office and, and doing whatever he say and going to get us all killed in the process. So it's got the, what you talked about, it's, you know, it's, I'm cussing some I'm cussing some motherfuckers out and whooping some cops' ass, doing, you know, all that kind of good shit. But it's also fun. And it's also some good vibes on it, you know. Amazing. Yeah. So their point is the cure can't be worse than the illness itself. Yeah. What is your response to that? You said they said the cure is worse than the illness. The illness is death. How can the cure be worse than the it's illness? Fucking real. The illness is death. Georgia, Michigan, Huntington Beach. Got Trump supporters protesting in the streets. Waving signs about him needing a haircut Armed to the teeth right in front of the sheriff Waving American and Confederate flags Saying COVID is alive but they wearing a mask If it is, take it off and tear it in half How long would his ignorance and arrogance last? I mean, dumb Donald? Is this your king? Who fired the whole pandemic response team? You follow this dumb fuck's direction? After him suggesting, injecting ourselves with disinfectant? We just pausing his financial plan Fingers up to the Ku Klux Klan Open up the states while we dying? For real? Our so-called leaders gonna get us all killed Are you a doctor? No An epidemiologist? No Are you a medical professional? No Are you a scientist? No Are you a doctor? No Are you an epidemiologist? No A medical professional? No No are you a scientist? No, no. Then shut the fuck up. Ohio, Kentucky, North Carolina, lined up on the streets, holding MAGA signs up. This shit's ignorant. Make America great again by increasing your own chance of getting it. Idiots. Y'all was made for each other. In fact, y'all should hug and kiss one another. Share a few drinks, touch each other's face. Let's have a Trump rally, put the time and the place. Governor Kim from Georgia, you the worst. Trying to reopen the spots, black folks frequent first. Georgia, just relax in your home. Today, open up the country clubs and tennis salons. And the tennis courts and the racquetball courts. Have a special long rounds at his favorite golf course. Cause we ain't guinea pigs, this is why Cap Neal. These motherfuckers gon' get us all killed. Ignorance, worse than the disease. Misinformation, cure is worse than the disease. Blind faith. Worse than the disease. Shut the fuck up. Man. Are you a doctor? Then no. shut the fuck up. Epidemiologist? No. Then no. shut the fuck up. Are you a medical professional? No. Then shut the fuck up. Are you a scientist? No. Then shut the fuck up, Donnie. Democratic states from east to west got Trump supporters strapped on the Capitol steps, waving signs like my body, my rights. Now you're pro-choice, but you voted pro-life. Waving don't tread on these flags, and blue lives matter, but workers' lives don't. Nor does your grandma and grandpa, or scientific data, or doctors. The fuck's going on in Nevada? Carolyn Goodman, the mayor of Vegas, is showing in a hurry to profit off the waiters. She's willing to trade us human lives for favors. All because the rich need their wages. Science will save us, not the president and thief. Not six feet of space if we six feet deep. We need a cure for ignorance, plus a chill pill. Cause these motherfuckers gon' get us all killed. Ignorance, worse than the disease. Misinformation, cure is worse than the disease. Blind faith, 
Worse than the disease. Shut the fuck up. Man. Are you a doctor? Then no. shut the fuck epidemiologist? up. Epidemiologist? No. Shut the fuck up. Are you a medical professional? No. Then shut the fuck up. Are you a scientist? No. Then shut the fuck up, Donnie. Yeah, keep your motherfucking mouth closed. It's the Black Love Army, aka the Devil to the Brigade. Devils get sprayed. We ain't never afraid, my boy. That's not how we made. You either with us or against us. Cannot let the cure be worse than the problem itself. We're not gonna let the cure be worse than the shut the fuck up. Amazing projects. I've been following it, kind of stalking you guys, watching it get done, just because I'm friends with your uh engineer. But it's dope, man. It's really dope. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate that. But yeah, it was definitely like like to do that and to also be being productive for my career goals and my music goals was it just took me to English, like I said, three years, plotting and planning, two songs. This year wow. so far, let's just go to the studio, and I'm coming again tomorrow, and I'm coming again tomorrow. <laughs> now we got 20, so like, and that feels really good to what to walk to wake up, you know, every day with a new song to listen to. You know what I mean? I just want to say thank you so much, Doctor Oop, for coming through and blessing us. I freaking love you. Like I'm a fan. I remember becoming a fan just working with you through our arts education work and just vibing with somebody who looks like me who comes from where I come from and um in the same culture and I just thank you so much for blessing us and I, I'm so glad that you're here with us um in Black Humble. Oh, yes man. thank you Drew. No, thank you guys so much. And thank you too, Miss D. I, I, you know, I, the feeling is mutual. I, I really appreciate how you get down over there and how you was handling your business and how you, everything you're doing for uh, us up here in Humboldt and giving us a, a base of, of operations socially and, and culturally. And, uh, and, you know, I appreciate all y'all and uh, keep up the good work. And, I'm, and then whenever y'all need me, y'all just let me know. Hey, thanks for stopping by today. Oh, man. Appreciate y'all, man. Y'all keep up the good work. The, the volume one is subtitled uh, March Madness because we did it all in March right when it hit. And then volume two is called Intensive Care. Thanks, y'all, for listening to The Black Aesthetic. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and tune in every Wednesday. Follow us on all socials at Black Humboldt and check out our website at www.blackhumboldt.com. If you want to send some love and feedback, email us at blackhumboldt at gmail.com. And make sure to use the hashtag BlackHumboldtAesthetic, B-L-A-C-K-H-U-M-B-O-L-D-T-A-E-S-T-H-E-T-I-C on social media. Until next time, continue to walk in your Black excellence.